Welcome in, everybody. We do it every Friday. We're back to business. Get in the cage time brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. It's a pleasure to speak to this guy. It's been quite a while, and he's been busy lately. He's out there in Vegas. UFC 250 happening this weekend. Talking about a man who does a brilliant job covering the sport of MMA for MMAJunkie.com. He is with us now. The one, the only John Morgan is here. John, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm happy to be busy, man. I'm happy to have fights to cover, so it's, uh, it's all right. I'll take it any day of the week. Hey, what, what's this been like for you? Now, did you, I haven't had a chance to speak to you in quite some time, and they, they had those three cards out there in Jacksonville. Were you able to get out there to cover those? Was there anybody there in person? How did that go? Yeah, I was. I went down there for, I think I was down there 11 days total. Um, and it was an interesting experience, man. I mean, this, this whole pandemic thing where it was still kind of new, you know, kind of learning how to operate within it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. We, you know, had COVID-19 testing along the way. We had to self-isolate, uh, when we weren't at the, at the arena. So, you know, face coverings at all times. I mean, lots of, lots of rules along the way to help keep it safe. So, um, it's been interesting to see what the UFC has done. I mean, they have, they have taken a lot of steps and a lot of operational uh, changes to, to how they do things to make this happen. But here it is, it's the, the fifth event that they've done uh, since coming back from, from the pandemic break. So, it's uh, man, it's been an interesting run to watch firsthand. Well, and, and I'm curious from your perspective, because I, I'm sure we have some uh, mutual friends on Twitter that cover the sport. Some have been very critical of Dana White and how he's uh, not – followed protocol with the, with the COVID-19 uh, expectations out there. He doesn't wear a face mask. You know, people love to criticize Dana at times. Do you think this is warranted, though? Do you feel like they've handled it as well as they could have or should have? I mean, listen, the criticisms of Dana's behaviors uh, specifically, they're fair. I mean, if you want to poke at him, uh, if here in Nevada, in Las Vegas, um, he's not actually uh, inside the arena during the fights because they won't allow it. The, the commission makes him wear a face mask or they won't allow him in. So he's not in his own fights, but, you know, he doesn't feel it's necessary. So, you know, I feel like the criticisms are fair. You know, he shouldn't be fist-bumping employees or he shouldn't be, you know, hugging fighters or anything like that. It's fair. But I will say this. Don't take that as an example of how the entire operation is being done. They are taking a ton of of steps behind the scenes. You know, tomorrow morning, for instance, for the fights, I've got to go to the host hotel at 7 a.m. in the morning and take a COVID-19 test and then go into a hotel room there and self-isolate till 2 p.m. while they get the results of the test. Uh, and and I, if I'm clean, then I get to head over to the arena. So, uh, I mean, just that's just a, a minor example of the, of the many steps that are being taken. So, yeah, I think the criticism is fair, but at the same time, don't use that as a representation of the effort as a whole. How many times have you been tested at this point? Five times so far. <laughs> Five times, wow. and tomorrow morning will be number six. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting this process down. You're you're getting used to the swab up the nose. Is it as unpleasant as it looks? Oh well, thankfully, thankfully they're doing with the uh, the throat now, so it's it's a lot easier. They say if you have a if you gag that it's it's, it's rough, but I'll take it over the nose thing. That that nasal test, oh, it is not. It's it's not painful. I try to tell you, it's not that painful. So if you have to do it, don't be scared because it's not that bad. It was way worse in my mind, but it's not fun. I'll tell you that it's not great. <laughs> It doesn't look like it, man. Well, let's let's no. talk about a few things going on here. I mean, uh, let's start because we got a couple of high profile fighters that are that are not happy with their payday, and they're probably not the only ones, but they're the most vocal right now. 
Uh, John Jones, he and Dana got into it over Twitter back and forth. Dana saying he's asking for Deontay Wilder money and he's got the text to prove it. And it was John saying, show the text. I never said, asked for any number. I never put a number out there. And he's gone as far as to say, I'm going to relinquish the belt. Let let uh, Dominic Reyes and uh, and somebody else fight for the title. I'm out of the I'm out of the mix. Let me know when you want to pay me. Do you take him at his word? Do you think they'll strip him of the title? What do you expect from John? I think it'll take a little time right now. I think they'll try to let him cool off a little bit and, and try to work forward on something. I mean, you know, John Jones was was teasing a move up to the heavyweight division to fight Francis Ngannou, which I think would be a hugely marketable fight. And he said, listen. Uh, if I'm going to take that kind of risk, and I know it'll be a blockbuster fight. I want to get paid up front, man. I want to I want to know that I'm getting big money for it. You know, I don't just want to share on the back end with pay per view revenue. So, um, you know, I, I think it was understandable what he's asking. You know, at the same time, you know, Dana's saying, look, right now we're we're still in the middle of this. I mean, we don't have a live gate at all. We probably won't have one the rest of the year. You know, this this weekend's card, just like the Florida card, no no guests in attendance at all. So they lose all that live revenue. They're still they make. They make great money off off their television deal as well, but it is true. So, you know, the other thing too is, is Dana's in the middle of trying to organize this fight island so that the international fighters can fight as well. I mean, they're still very much in the middle of figuring everything out, and I think right now, you know, Dana's just saying, "Listen, I'm, I am not going to deal with this right now. I don't have time, and I don't have the energy. You know, I'm trying to get my whole business back up and running, and I, and I can't devote this kind of attention to you. If you don't want to fight, fine, don't fight." Um, and, and I think that's kind of where their you know their positions are at the moment. I do tend to think that after a little time, after the UFC schedule kind of gets fully operational and back up again, and, and, and they'll sit down and talk, and they'll, they'll be able to work something out. I, I don't see John Jones walking away from the sport. Well, I mean, it, it is a fight. I mean, me as an MMA nut, I would love to see that fight. I, I would think Dana would love to see that fight. Even if there is no live gate, you've got to believe that the pay-per-view numbers on that would do decidedly better than anything they could do with a Reyes rematch or Blahovich is or as an opponent. I mean, to and that's not a knock on any of those guys. The Reyes fight incredibly close, compelling, but come on, him going up against Ngannou, I, I'm a little surprised. Understanding they don't have the live gate, you do rely on those pay per view numbers even more so right now. I would think he'd be looking at the possibilities behind a fight like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's no disrespect to the light heavyweight contenders right now because you've got some very great, you know, athletes in position to challenge for the title. But you're right. I just don't see anything as intriguing for John Jones as as the move up to heavyweight to fight Francis Ngannou. I mean, you got the greatest pound for pound fighter of all time against the scariest guy on the planet. I mean, that just, just seems like such an easy sell. Um, so I'm with you on that one, and, and that's why you know I, I tend to think the two sides can maybe come together at some point. But I think the UFC has got to see it that way as well. Now, right now. Dana is saying that look, he doesn't see you know John making an extended run at heavyweight, so he thinks it's it's, it's maybe not something that he plans to do long term, and for that reason, he doesn't have motivation to make the fight. But but I don't know. Like I said, there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of things up in the air right now as they're trying to get resolved. I mean, yes, the UFC is back, but it's not 100 percent just yet. I think Dana's going to want to get that stuff sorted before he starts dealing with this. But I, I think they can make something happen because, as you said, you laid it out there. I don't see an MMA fan on the planet. They wouldn't want to see that fight. Jones versus Nagano, it just sounds like a lot of fun. Well, and I said Jones is uh, obviously not the only one who's unhappy with uh, the amount of money he's making. Jorge Masvidal is is now vocalizing, you know, hey, if I'm not worth it, let me go. He's tweeting, you know, why, why make me fight for half of what I made on my last fight because the other dude can't draw. You know, he's and he's saying, don't tell me about the pandemic when the reports show highest stock market it's ever been. You know, he's using everything to to sort of bolster his case for a, a bigger payday. 
What do, you, what do you think of his case? I understand all of these guys wanting more money because they're notoriously underpaid. The timing feels a little off with what we're going through, and you just talked about no live gate. That's a big chunk of, of their revenue stream that is absolutely eliminated right now. What do you think of Masvidal's stance, and does anything happen in his case? Well, important to note, too, that Masvidal and Jones just happen to share a management team as well. So it sounds like they're taking very similar strategies. Fair point. And listen, they are two, <laughs> yeah, two of the biggest stars in the sport, though. I mean, I don't blame them for trying to get their, their worth. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Get, get to maximize your income. And Masvidal's star has never, ever been higher, man. I mean, he, the guy is an absolute superstar. been doing it for 16 years. But, man, he's really broken into superstardom in the last year, year and a half or so. So um, I don't blame him for trying to do this and, and trying to negotiate and trying to maximize his, his money. I mean, listen, those are two fighters that fans want to see. So the UFC is going to be hearing about it if they don't want to, you know, if they don't get fights for these guys booked. But here's the problem. And, and you know, you, Mazidal was supposed to be fighting for the welterweight title against Kamara Usman. Um, in the meantime, you got Gilbert Burns come out of nowhere and and just you know lit up the welterweight division he's fighting every other weekend you know he'll take any fight you offer and he's now got himself in a number one position he's already come out and said look if you don't want to fight i'll take the fight you know so you've always got somebody else ready to come in i think that's the biggest issue that we've seen over the years i mean this could be a moment where you know fighters find a way to kind of organize but man i've seen efforts at like associations and unions and stuff over the year and it's just so hard to get everybody on the same page because you've got these two top stars right now that are saying, hey, we're going to hold out until we get what's right. The problem is the sport will move on. The USC is going to host shows with or without you, and somebody else will come in and, and, and take your place. And, you know, listen, is Gilbert Burns the type of star that Jorge Mazidal is? No, absolutely not. It's not a one-for-one replacement. But if Burns keeps winning, maybe he becomes that guy. And in the meantime, while Mazidal's on the sidelines, He's not making any money. So I commend the fighters uh, for the position they're taking. As you said, you know, I think a lot of people feel that they're underpaid, and it, it is their job to, to try to maximize the amount they can make in, in the short window they have to compete in the sport. But I will caution, it's, it's, it's a scary position to take because the UFC can move on without you. Two more things I want to hit you with before we let you go. Again, we're speaking with John Morgan of MMAJunkie.com. Uh, UFC 250 coming up this weekend at the UFC Apex out there in Las Vegas, Nevada. Being headlined by Amanda Nunez, who is the greatest female fighter of all time. She has basically destroyed everybody that's been put in front of her. Any reason to believe it's going to be any different against uh, Spencer Felicia Spencer, who I think is a very good fighter. I, she got a lot of... Uh, she got a lot of credit for staying in there with Cyborg and, and, and taking it. But when you're talking about skill set, when you're talking about striking ability, I, I don't see it. I, anything's possible with, you know, it, it, in the cage. We, we both know that. But, you know, if I'm a betting man, this feels like this feels like a very one sided affair to me in favor of Nunez again. I'm with you. Felicia Spencer is a very good fighter. I mean, you know, you hate to detract from her, but again, you're going over against the goat. You know, Amanda Nunes is just operating on a different level right now. Um, you know, as you said, it, it, it's a fight, and anything can happen. That's why we love the sport so much. Um, and Felicia Spencer does have, you know, some skills that could aid her. You know, she's got some great grappling abilities. Um, this is a smaller cage than normal in the USC Apex. It's a 25 foot uh, cage instead of a 30 foot cage so that eliminates some space. So if you're a grappler that's trying to clinch, trying to get a takedown. Um, it's less space to try to have to chase after somebody. So, I mean, there's things that you can point to to say, okay, you know, maybe there's a way there to, to get this done. But at the end of the day, you, you got to go with Amanda Nunes. It's just, as you said, the, the, the skills, um, the power that she has, it's just, it, it's on a different level right now. And, uh, 
it, it's going to be a you know it's going to be a tough one for Felicia Spencer. She's she's game and she's saying the right things and she seems like she's in the right headspace. And as you said, she got a lot of credit for going against Chris Cyborg, a losing effort, but you know showed a lot of heart. She'll need it here, but I I, I don't know that it's going to be enough to take down Amanda Nunes. Okay, and la- last one I want to hit you with is the return of Cody Garbrandt, who. Man, I mean, he couldn't have looked more spectacular against Dominic Cruz back in 2016. And you thought, man, the world is his oyster. That was a brilliant performance against a technician in Cruz. And he, he goes on to get knocked out three consecutive fights, two against TJ Dillashaw and then against Munoz in his last fight. He seems like a guy who's sort of regressed in terms of he gets in there and he just starts winging, just puts the head down and starts winging and defense is out the window and I'm not sure what's happened to him, and he's always said the right things before these fights. I focused on my defense, and I got to keep my composure. All the all the right things, and then we see something different in the cage. So now he comes up against Rafael Asuncao. Any reason to expect a different version of Cody Garbrandt this time? I mean, he did he did go out to New Jersey and train with Mark Henry, so he trained with a different set of coaches, got some new looks, got some new advice. Again, he is saying the right things, so it does sound like he's aware of his issues, um, aware of the challenges at hand, but. The, the, this fight is so intriguing for that very reason. There are so many question marks because that Cody Garbrandt, as you said, that performance against Dominic Cruz, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in any fight, just unbelievable. Uh, and if he can be, you know, even a, a portion of that, uh, he's still got star potential all over him. Um, but this is going to be a big test. You know, fortunately, you know, Sun is not the heaviest hitter in the division, so I think you know Garbrandt can can maybe make a few more mistakes and not have to pay for it. Obviously, he doesn't want to take it to the ground. Uh, that's where he could could really pay for it. But, um, you know, in the stand-up department, I think we're going to get to see him flex out a little bit. So I, I'm excited. Cody Garbrandt, this is a big moment for him. It's, it's a crossroads fight for a guy that, as you said, seems destined for stardom. Um, I, I think he can win this fight, but the, the question marks are certainly there, and I think that's what we're most intrigued to see on Saturday night out of Cody. John Morgan of MMAJunkie.com has been our guest here. You can follow him on Twitter, at MMAJunkieJohn. At MMAJunkieJohn is his Twitter handle. Does a brilliant job covering the sport. John, always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Really appreciate you cutting out time for us, as always. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure.